How you doing, Paul? Going well, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I think something's missing in my life, though. I've kind of felt the same. What do you reckon it is? Yeah, well, for the last four years, I haven't uploaded a podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Three Views on Podcast. Today, we're going to be giving two views on the Three Views on Podcast. Um, because the other thing that we're missing from our lives is that neither of us have spoken to Michael Laws for four years. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? I'm doing real well. It's good to be back. I feel like we've broken a streak. I've, I've been holding my breath for four years. Ooh. I feel like this is, this is natural. Purple man. This is natural. Okay. What we did for four years where we weren't recording, deeply unnatural. Highly unnatural. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we couldn't get Michael Laws on the phone today. Um, that's probably because we gave ourselves about 30 seconds notice mm. before deciding to record a new podcast. Well, it's, it's really embarrassing, actually, because what many of you at home won't understand is that Simon and I have been faithfully uh, making podcast episodes most weeknights uh, for the last four years. The, the only problem is Simon just keeps forgetting to hit record. So we've just been talking to the walls of his garage. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they know a lot of stuff, those walls now. Uh, but here we are. We managed to find the record button eventually. And here we are. I'm in Hobart. Finally, at long last. last yeah. Well, last we spoke. So our last episode, that dreadful goodbye, uh, you were heading up to Sydney. Yeah, And you were training right. to become a missionary. Yeah, yeah. Spent two years living in Sydney. Moved up there in 2019. And survived 2020 in Sydney and then got right out of there. That would have been a pig of a Very thing. Very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, we, we, we got out well before the 2021 major long lockdowns, but it was definitely a thing. Way more of a thing uh, in Sydney than it was in Hobart. We really didn't notice it, brother. Like, so yeah. uh, to, to catch up the listeners, I started teaching. I teach at a Christian school. I started teaching in 2020. And you, so were, that, you, were you washing windows last time we did this? I could have been doing any number of a thousand different things. <laughs> who, who knows? Uh, but so, yeah, I, I, by God's grace, I finished my teaching degree. I now teach at a Christian school. I love it. Before you go, before you go, Simon, I want to record an episode on why every Christian who's got a heart for mission should consider becoming a Christian teacher. I want to record that episode. Every Christian. Every Christian. And you might have a hearty disagreement. Um, we might legitimately <laughs> might be the have... first episode ever <laughs> of actually having three views. Upon on our a resurrection, topic. yeah, from the dead, we finally get different views. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I had all of the lockdowns in Hobart during my first year of teaching. Really didn't notice it that much. It wasn't a big deal. And then suddenly uh, mainlanders started dribbling in as the borders opened. And for, they were shell-shocked. Like they were, it was really gnarly for the mainlanders to the extent that we just didn't know, know, know what it yeah. was like down here. Yeah. You know? Mm. Enough of the Rona. Yeah, well, it's probably good that we weren't recording a podcast while that was going on. Imagine because... how disgusting those episodes would have yeah. been. All the complaining, all of the just rehashing everything. Some real B-grade takes. It would have been bad. I mean, it probably would have been equivalent, if not slightly better than season one. <laughs> That's bad, you say. Yeah, maybe that bad. Yeah. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to do a brief update, Simon. So uh, a whole heck of a lot has happened. And... 
I think it would be beneficial to go through where we've been, but I really want to use this time the where we're revving this podcast back up. I, w- I want to use it to look at you and where you're going because I think what you're doing is a pretty exciting thing and I want to use this as somewhat of a time capsule. We might look back on this in 10, 20 years mm. um, and we can analyse uh, what you were thinking, you know, your youthful exuberance oh, as you yeah. prepare to head out on a long-term cross-cultural church planting mission. Yeah, well, I feel like those last episodes where we talked about this a little bit are in themselves now a bit of a time capsule of what uh, what it was like back then. So I'm different even now. I was going to say because it's been years you haven't you've been over to visit since then, um, but in some ways you're still preparing for the big dance. Yeah, yeah, and we hadn't even figured out where we were going to go last time we were recording podcasts. Um, and, unfort- and unfortunately, I can't disclose that um, now. But um, Central Asia is a good word that we can use mm. um, for where we're going to be moving in just a few months. Yeah, somewhere yeah. very, very unlike Hobart, Tasmania. Yeah, but also kind of like Hobart, Tasmania. Lots Ge- of- geographically and weather-wise. Okay. A bit similar, a bit different. Um, yeah, you know how Hobart's got like the mountains in the background, like it's just city and then mountains sort of surround. Um, where we're going doesn't have ocean all around, so there's not beaches everywhere. There is a big river, um, but there are a lot of mountains all around. So I, I kind of got Hobart vibes when we visited. It That's was, good. It's very interesting. That's good. I think there's something about that. My brother, David, he's gone off to Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Um, so he's in his first year of training there, and he—it's his first time ever away from the coast. Yeah. So yep. we're really spoiled down here in Hobart. And he said he just went on a, a mission within that training program to inland New South Wales, and he yep. said it's the first time he's ever been able to relax away from the coast. Mm. Um, part of you know us being spoiled with excellent local geography is that yeah. you just you take a big your soul breathes a sigh of relief when you're out near the open water. Yep. Um, but yeah. I feel like the mountains do a similar thing, just something that gives you a sense of scale. Yeah, well, that was something that we did miss being in Western Sydney for two years was having to drive like an hour to the beach and then pay $50 an hour <laughs> to park at Bondi Beach. <laughs> if you've ever been to Bondi or planning to go to Bondi, um, make sure you are cashed up. Parking there is oh. very expensive. Either that or just catch the train and then catch a bus. That is rude. Because the trains don't go all the way to Bondi. Man, oh man. Yeah. Um, okay, so last we spoke, you were heading off for two years to do your training. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't really to do the training because we were already doing the training in Hobart, right? It was, a, it was an online program. The reason we moved was more of, a, more of a baby step in moving away from home. So it was a, an exploratory journey into our own brains as to whether we could handle living away from, with young kids, living away from all our support structures, all the social networks that we have here in Hobart, uh, extended family, um, multiple church families. um, Yeah, and just starting from scratch somewhere. Um, And it was pretty close to scratch. Um, We did have one sort of local contact who hooked us in with, someone from a local church, as well as a couple of friends from Crossview. 
Yeah, so we, we moved to Sydney, we started new and we figured out that we could, you know, we managed, it was, it was great. You we guys did seem like it. you were doing very well up there, actually. Yeah, I mean, it was great that we had. It was great that we had uh, local um, believers to, you know, join in with, and uh, a great church to be a part of, and that kind of thing. Uh, so that was really, really helpful. And that's one big difference between what we're planning to do uh, shortly versus moving to Sydney. That's a, that's a stark dissimilarity, isn't it? I often. Fantasize would be the wrong word, but I often daydream about what it would be like if I had to just completely start my life over again. If I was like, I, I had no wife, no kids, I was coming out of prison or something and I had a grand and I had to build my life from the ground up. Mm. And I always think the first thing I would do is join a church because it's just such a good social leg up. You get a, yeah. a good network and a network of people uh, who are keen to help you and they're zealous for good works and all these sorts of things. Um, and so that would be an easy point of integration to a Sydney culture, whereas where you're heading, um, that would be, again, a, a stark dissimilarity. Yeah, yeah. So you will, you will be starting that, yeah, Lord two, willing. Yeah, two things in the, in the way of that, of getting in there, is not being able to speak to people. So you just can't make friends that easily. Uh, it's a part of the world where the second language is not usually English, uh, so that's extra hard. Um, there are English speakers around, but they're not usually very proficient. And yeah, so it's a, a lot more difficult to just get that social uh, insight. The other thing is that, um, yeah, there's basically no Christians. Um, so yeah, the, a combination of those two things um, makes it a pretty uh, intense situation to be dropping into. And we're very grateful that we've had five years of uh, mentorship uh, uh, being uh, taught how to deal with these situations in effective ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, a question for you is, do you feel like you actually got much better during that sort of the training wheel days up in Sydney? Mm. Do you feel like you got better at existing as a family unit? Yes, totally, yes. totally. Um, just us. We actually sometimes miss it, you know, with so much family around. Um, some days we're just like, man, wish it was just us. So much easier to plan a life, a social calendar, um, a lot more time to do to to take notice of what you are doing, as opposed to being caught up in the social whirlwind of things that you're expected to do. A lot of a lot more intentionality, I think, in the stuff that you fill your time with um, in a new setting where you just get to start from the ground up. Absolutely. Even dropping into a church. I mean, church is one of those things that you can sink a lot of hours into, right? Um, so even going to a new church, it was still, uh, and getting involved a lot there, it was still a great way. Like you say, just sort of start again. Like take the lessons that you've learned from the things that aren't working but you can't change <laughs> in, your, in your current context and to just be able to sort of rework that a bit. Um, yeah. That's great, man. I, I think there's an art, art to that and every Christian family, in fact, every family I'd go so far as to say, should really be thinking quite hard about getting comfortable with their basic family unit. Mm. I know that uh, I hear a lot of conversations um, from different uh, families from different schools and a lot of parents will approach their season of holidays 
with trepidation because they're, <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, okay. Well, now we're all in under yeah. the same roof. Oh, what kind of relational go. fireworks are going to blow up in the living room this time? Uh, yeah. Are we going to be able to hold it together all day? We've got to get as many camps and activity programs <laughs> and things in the schedule so that we, we only have a few people in the house. And there's a sadness. I hear that with an element of sadness because you would want it to be a, a joyful and fun but also a restful time just existing as a family unit together. That would yeah. be ideal. Yeah. So if you, if you can get that locked in in Sydney, surely that is a, a big tectonic plate set in place for when you guys head out. Yeah, and I suppose that's been interrupted a bit as well because we've come back to Hobart. We've reintegrated over the last uh, like 15 months now into our extended social circles. Um, so it's in some ways we often think to ourselves that it would have been easier if we'd moved directly from Sydney overseas a lot easier but now it's like we've reintegrated we've re uh what's the word educated sounds too um uh what's the word like re-educating people sounds too very orwellian doesn't it well it sounds pretentious like i've i've re-educated you know all these new people that i've met about you know what we're planning to do and that kind of thing and also because our our plans have uh, solidified somewhat mm. like we've come back down here you know talking to people explaining a lot of what we're going to do and why and justifications for our ministry goals and all that kind of thing um, and then got it then we'll move again so it's sort of we were comfortable with ourselves but now our kids are a year and a half older instead of being a baby and a three and a half year old we've now got a five year old and a three-year-old and and uh and a boy Austin. Yes. for those who don't know we yeah, had a baby. boy in november just gone he's now five and a bit months old austin he's a cool dude ozzy uh where did you get Oz? the name austin from uh so you you remember how we visited png yep yeah there was a guy on that work team who was there at the same time as us whose name was austin just an uh a retired elder from uh, someone else's church. And he was just such a nice dude. We just really liked the name Austin. And it's such a cool name, like a nickname Oz or Aussie. It's awesome. And um, yeah, so he gets a lot of nicknames. Um, my grandfather's father's name was Osmond. <laughs> so, so, so I often call Austin Osmond, just for fun. Um, he doesn't seem to mind yet. He hasn't uh, taken issue with that. No, not yet, not yet. He usually just smiles at anything I say. Um, Lucinda likes to call him Aussie Mandius sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Austin, Austin, Texas, uh, or ostentatious, or just call him Boston. Okay, um, nice. I don't know why this it, these things just come out of my head. There's, uh, so it's like Boston, Massachusetts, or Austin, Texas, or Austin, Massachusetts. <laughs> so his nickname is sometimes just Austin, Massachusetts. Uh, his name is actually Austin Mark, but um, okay. Austin, Massachusetts works as well, doesn't it? There you go. I'm not sure any of them work. Simon, we just but... hang around an American friend and just annoy the heck out of him <laughs> by saying Austin, Massachusetts and Boston, Texas. <laughs> Why do you call your kid Boston, Texas? Oh, I don't know. Don't really know. Yeah. It just happened. You don't want to know. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Getting a boy in the mix, Simon, that's um, yes. not too bad. Not yeah. too bad at all. Yeah. Yeah, to the Glover Empire. That's right. The, only, the name the name continues. Heir. Yep. 
yeah. We don't mind that. Now, so what you you guys are um you came back down and you really have uh as much as you um, wins at calling it a, a re-education program. There's been perhaps an education program. There's yeah. a lot of, lot of people who Well, I think a nicer way of putting it is support raising. Yep. Um, and that has traditionally been code for getting money out of people. But for us, it's much more about getting a really solid base of friends who understand what we're doing so that they can actually support us mm. in all the ways that are needed. Um, over the years and our, and support our kids too as they get older and that kind of thing just so people can understand what it is that we've been through um, I think that's um, traditionally been a sort of a, a hobby horse mentality around missions like oh those guys wanted to go overseas and do missions and sort of the church is like yeah that's cool uh, rather than seeing it as a function of the church um, and so we don't want to just be seen as the people who like to live overseas. Like, it's not really why we're doing it. It's still incredibly difficult. Um, uh, and if we wanted it to just do what we w wanted to do, we would just live in Hobart and go travelling occasionally like every other normal person. Um, yeah, if you wanted to live overseas, if that was your whole goal, I mean, even then, credit to you, but I could think of maybe a thousand better places to go than <laughs> where you're going. You know, yeah, so yeah. Um, it certainly would not make any sense if that were the motivation. Yeah, so it's it seems a little bit, sometimes it's it seems weird when you're talking to older, wiser Christians and trying to explain to them that, like, this is actually part of the church's job <laughs> is, to, is to send missionaries and support them and for it to be um, a felt task, a task that the whole church feels is needed and that they are needed in some, at some, in some way. Um, so that's sort of what that education process is about. It's just about talking to people and letting them ask questions and, uh, yeah, helping them to see how they need to be a part of the, the journey, the process. And this is something we've discussed at length off air, Simon. Um, is it the, the prevailing ambiguity around the understanding of missions? Um, <laughs> We, we've Don't discussed... get me started, Paul. Oh, man, I want to get you started. So <laughs> we were talking about the semantic shift that's taken place with missions yeah, um, and yeah. how what people are sort of double-clicking on and bringing up when they say the word missions is really different now than it perhaps was in the 80s mm. or 90s. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, so I'll just give a little overview of it and I'm sure it'll resonate with people who are listening who have been around this kind of thing, who've been around church and have interacted with some kind of mission work. Um, traditionally, the, word, the, the, the role that comes to mind when you talk about missionary is someone who moves overseas long-term. Like that's what you would read a book about, a missionary. Uh, but much more recently, um, and people who've grown up in the church in the last 20 years will recognise this easily, is that there's this idea that everyone's a missionary um, and for me, it just seems that people get the terms evangelism and mission confused or just conflate them. And the really difficult part is that the word missionary is not in the Bible. Like, there's no definition for it. And so you get people who can give the word missionary whatever definition they like. It's not doctrinally protected or anything. Um, it's not like 
uh, redemption or justification. There's no set definition for that. Um, you, people can call a missionary whatever they want to call a missionary. And um, often when it's one very strong-willed individual in a church who's got the hobby horse of wanting to be a missionary, whatever their definition of missionary is, that's what the whole church takes on. Um, and so you get a lot of people who just think that missionaries are like aid workers who like talk about Jesus every now and then, or, um, or you can be a missionary working your nine to five um, at like ANZ Bank or whatever. You know, you're a missionary. <laughs> like that I, doesn't bring anyone to mind, but uh... it just uh, no. How 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 are you a missionary? Yes. Yeah, and and so I think what. The main thing I like to say when I'm talking about this is that just call it evangelism. What's wrong with everyone's an evangelist? Well, everyone should be evangelizing, you know. Well, yeah, that, well here's, the, here's the thing. When you talk about evangelism, people are very specific, like, oh, not everyone's an evangelist. But because, because that's in scripture, right? You've got the gift of evangelism, of like being an evangelist. Um, Paul lists that as one of the roles in the church. And so we recognize that not everyone is an evangelist in the church. Um, but we do say that everyone should evangelize. And I think what people say when they say everyone's a missionary is that everyone should evangelize. And for the sake of um, not diminishing the incredibly difficult task it is to move overseas with or without a family and learn a new language and a culture and then maybe learn another language and another culture and spend like years and years discipling people in the hopes that God will birth a church um, that you can uh, one day leave in maturity and self-governing uh, capacity. Um, like that's such a huge job and you take away so much by just saying like everyone's a missionary and you, and you sort of give churches who already aren't particularly aware of what it takes to support a missionary, uh, you give them this out from mission work. And we talked about this in the last mission podcast that we did as well, is that there's like billions of people in the world who have no opportunity to hear the gospel uh, or ever, ever meet another Christian. Like it's so many people in the world that that's just unlikely to ever happen in their whole life. And that's so different from like the person who works in ANZ Bank in Hobart. It's like there are like five churches within a five-minute walk from ANZ Bank in the city of Hobart. Like <laughs> you can just church and you'll be able to pick up a Bible, you'll be able to hear the gospel, read about who Jesus is and, and that kind of thing. And to, uh, to unintentionally relegate missionaries into that same basket is just not doing the unreached world any favours. And it's not about missionaries uh, so much. I'm not like, oh, I just wish people would support me better. Our churches support us great. It's actually about the need. There's a huge need. And I see that um, people aren't educated enough to understand the need. Or Like you were saying before, how you were like, everyone should consider becoming a, a school teacher, a Christian school teacher. I think everyone should also have the opportunity to consider whether they should work with the unreached because there's so many of them. Way more need for people to ch plant churches in unreached people groups than there is for uh, Christian school teachers. Take it easy, man. Take it easy. <laughs> these, these views are getting too disparate here. Monologue um, end. No, no, no. Look, very, very helpful. And 
from where I've been sitting and certainly our conversations have been shaping my thinking over the last couple of years, Simon, is that um, missionary, it certainly, it used to have a lot more cash value. The term missionary yeah. had a lot more cash value than it does now. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so people did have in their mind people going to India and getting their heads chopped off. Yes. You hear those stories all the time of people going out um, and, and knowing they could never return and going and for God's glory, sharing the gospel out there yeah. and committing their whole life to it. And so when, you, uh, when that is uh, in the collective consciousness, if your pastor says everyone's a missionary, that means something. Mm-hmm. Um, that means you have to radically alter. It means you have to start doing what they're doing. That's and true. Nowadays, if, if we hear that you're being a missionary, we've been told everyone's a missionary so much that we think you're doing what we're doing. Yeah. You're, you're just doing, <laughs> yes. you're just yeah. doing your, your job. Um, hopefully you'll duck your head over the fence and say good day to your neighbour every now and again. Mm. Um, and you might have one or two. You might knock a few doors here or there. But we would actually not, we would not relate our life to the life of the missionary we know we, we'd do it the, the other, other way around. around that's really helpful i don't think about that very often but that's so true is the people who have started that idea of saying everyone's a missionary that was their goal to get people at home to up their game yes that's <laughs> yeah. right but it's just gone the other way exactly yeah. now people are thinking i'm a missionary um look every day life i'm relatively unconcerned with the spread of the gospel i'm concerned with being with living a a, a christ-like life for sure yeah and i, I want to honor god and everything but in in terms of actually reaching new people with the gospel that would be lower ranking on my priorities when it when i look at my money and my time just because i've got a family i've got a job yeah. i've got friends so again what we're, we're, yeah. we're doing is we're, we're saying I, I've been told that I'm to live on mission. Therefore, yeah. this is what missionary life must feel like. Therefore, this is what Simon's life is going to be like yeah. when he's in Asia. Do, I, do you I think, know what? Yeah. If you look into the prevailing modern cross-cultural missions methods, it's infused with that idea. Okay. It's, that has pervaded cross-cultural missions where people are just, you know, living in a foreign city where there may not be many Christians, or there might be, like you might be living in Europe or something, <laughs> moved to France as a missionary. Or, well, France is very um, non-Christian, but, uh, but like somewhere like Spain. Um, Draw Catholics down there. Yeah, moved to be a missionary there. Um, you can see the need, and but the work that they're doing is like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna like run a business and not have and not have any other goal other than to live as a Christian like you would in Australia. And people, it's, it's really common for people to think that that is the most effective way to reach these places where the gospel has died out or is dying out. It just doesn't seem like a very good strategy. It's not very intentional. It, it's an intentional move to be a Christian somewhere else, but in terms of... Um, bang for buck <laughs> you think they're like leaving you should probably, on the table yeah totally like why not try and do something actively yeah it's it's very complicated and it's you always feel like you're throwing some actual person who actually does this under the bus uh when you talk like that um but it's not that i'm resentful against those kinds of people it's just like have you really thought about the the needs and what it's going to take to and the model like represented in the New Testament of how new churches are planted. Does it 
Does it happen from just working? Did Paul accidentally make converts because he was a tent maker? No, it was the other way around. He was intentionally going out and preaching and he was doing tent making as like an opportunity to support himself and or to be in a certain city, uh, you know, a reason to travel or a way to support yourself, that kind of thing. So, so when you were, when you were, so obviously the genesis for this idea of being a missionary, it, it came a while back, probably before you had really clear convictions about what exactly being a missionary mm. was. Sort of. Was there a, was there a time in which your understanding of what that meant? Because a lot, you're saying a lot of Christians yeah. are operating with a, a, a dim view. The, the, the lights aren't fully turned on for yeah. them, what it means to be a missionary. Did you decide to be a missionary before the lights were fully on for you? Sort of, yeah. So a little bit. So as a teenager visiting um, Southeast Asia, sure, like you, you visit some aid worker missionary, like, yeah, I want to do this. Um, but most of the missionaries I knew as a teenager, as I sort of, came to the realisation that this is what God wanted me to do with my life, they were all church planters. They were all specifically like unreached people groups. These people have no access to the gospel. We're going there to teach them the gospel very intentionally and plant a church. And so that really has been what I considered um, as the most important thing for some time. So, yeah, I suppose I've, I've more been equipped and it, on, with tools on how to do that successfully uh, and and also how to um, uh, what was I say not sure not sure where I was going there this there's, there's too much Simon. coming in classic Simon. a lot of thoughts and a small pipe yeah. you know <laughs> they're all jam they're all jamming in there yeah. um, so what we're going to do is as we were talking about we're going to have a few more episodes um, potentially the, the next episode we're going to be talking <laughs> about uh, how churches can support missionaries well Oh, nice. Because there's been, it's so easy to not do that. And why you all have to become Christian teachers. Exactly. <laughs> that, that will be perhaps number three um, before our send-off in this mini-series, this mini-resurrection. Yeah. I mean, it's near Easter where we're recording this. And this is very unlike the Easter story because we have resurrected it only for it to die again. <laughs> but what we're going to do, so we're going to talk about how churches can support missionaries well. We're going to talk about why every single Christian who's concerned with spreading the gospel should strongly consider becoming a Christian teacher. And um, a Christian missionary. And a Christian missionary, absolutely. <laughs> um, I feel like that's, that's going to be a strange sort of argument covered. because it's just choices between two good options. Yeah. <laughs> um, between two really good options. I don't think it's an argument. I think we will be... Because we're, we're talking about people considering doing it. We're not forcing everyone to be I want to force people. Teacher. Yeah, I want to force people. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I'm one stage ahead of you on that. You, you'll, get, you'll come around eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, so it's, look, it's been fantastic, Simon, uh, to hear about what you're up to. I certainly look forward to progressing further down these conversations in the next couple of episodes. And it's great to have people listening to the Three Views on podcast. At long last. At long last. Uh, well, why don't you sign us off, Simon? We're, we're, uh, we're absent Michael Laws, sadly. Again, our ill-fated attempts to reach him were unsuccessful. We really didn't do him any favours. Um, no. Simon and I decided to record earlier today <laughs> on an absolute whim. 
Uh, and Laws, I was just saying to Simon, you could try and book him a month out and I'm not sure you get half an hour on a random Tuesday. Yeah. He's a busy, busy man. As far as we know, because we haven't talked to him for four years. <laughs> so. I mean, he just, he just never picks up my calls. Um, he's just too busy. Uh, but why don't you, in lieu of Michael Laws, why don't you sign us off? Alrighty, everyone. Thanks for listening. Keep living the dream. It's been real.